Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. With us this morning are some people that do real hero work. Vicki Hilty is the executive director and Deborah Bortson is the deputy director at Domestic Violence Services of Snohomish County, which has been showing people how to live again after experiencing domestic violence. Vicki and Deborah, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Gary, so much. We appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you're here. Unfortunately, the subject of domestic violence needs attention and needs constant attention over and over. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and alas, it has not gone away. We have to keep raising that awareness, and there's a tragic truth about that that, I don't know, it just doesn't stop. A lot of people don't even know what's going on, and uh, that's the part of awareness, I guess, that we're going to talk about today, and not only raise that awareness, but hopefully you guys work to change it, too, not just rescue people out of the problem they're in, but let's prevent it in the future. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of a, I'm wasting my time here. It should be about you guys, but that's the problem, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Not just the problem, but it's bigger. we got to change society somehow, too. Absolutely. And, you know, Gary, every day we have people who don't even recognize it as it's going on in their own life. Uh, you know, we have what they call a power and control will. Um, it's And it just really shows different aspects of domestic violence and how that can unfold in someone's life. And often we can give that to someone. They take a look at that and they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think I'm a victim of abuse and I don't even recognize it. Yeah. So, so often because of the, well, quite frankly, brainwashing that goes along as part of the abuse, um, they, they don't always recognize it within their own life. Boy, I want to get to all of those checklist things. Yeah. Uh, let, let's first do a little basic stuff about uh, your organization, Domestic Sur- Violence Services of Snohomish County. So obvious, the first part, you're in Snohomish County. Right. Who do you serve? How long you've been there? You've gone through a few transitions, I guess, at least name-wise, but mm-hmm. you've been helping people for quite a long time, right? We have. We were established in 1976. And when we first originated, we had safe homes. And, you know, at that time, that would be people who donated their homes. Can you imagine how kind is that to people who just needed a place to go? Today's time, we would say that's probably not so safe, right? Uh, But when there was no shelters around, that was the best alternative. Uh, And then around the same time as we were coming to fruition through the women's movement, Domestic violence shelters started to spring up and open all around the country at the same time, and we were one of those. So uh, our location for our shelter uh, is in Snohomish County. We handle all of Snohomish County, and it's a pretty big county (laughs) uh, with lots of jurisdictions. So it's kind of an interesting mix of people we work with. And has your uh, focus and the mission changed? I mean, as as you say, the the women's movement, what people Mm -hmm. realize is... Uh, abuse has mm-hmm. sort of morphed too, and that we've realized, oh, it's not just what we used to call a battered wife, right? Uh, right. Long sure. ago or something. Right. And people just say, hey, that's my business. What happens behind my closed doors? None of your business. All of those things are different. Is the way uh, abuse is approached different in the last 40 years? You know what? That is an awesome question. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I got one right <laughs> off the bat. Score. Uh, yeah, it has changed uh, in many ways, and yet in so many ways, it's probably still the same. Uh, in in certain certain ways, because the abuse itself, uh, even over the years, I think it's gotten a little bit more violent, or at least that's what we're seeing. Uh, but it, it but 
the behaviors uh, are still there. And so that piece of it hasn't changed as much, but how we look at it has. And I think probably one of the biggest things is forever, we really were core-centric that shelter was the answer. That's the answer. And we invested everything into really that. And what we've realized nationwide is that Yes, shelters are very important. Yes, they are needed. Yes, there is times that people need that place to go to, but it's so much more than that. Some people don't need a shelter, but they need to be able to get away. So they need other services. They need support groups. They need someone to listen. They need help with housing. Maybe they're safe in their home uh, and they're okay to be there, but now that the abuser has left, they have absolutely nothing. They have been left with nothing. And maybe not even able to work uh, or have been given the opportunity to work. So now what do I do with that? So the needs have changed. And so we're now addressing things a little differently than we were in the past. Mm. I think I'd also like to point out that one of the big um, differences is when we first started in 1976 was men were not included in the movement. And men, as we know now, are lots of good men, and they're very important to our movement. We never had a, a man on staff, and we do now. I think we have four or five mm -hmm. good men on staff. We have men on our board of directors where they weren't welcomed before, and now, of course, we realize they need to be part of the change. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, let's talk about then those those ways that women and men are mm -hmm. abused. And then, like you said, without really knowing it, maybe we should just go through some of these steps because there might be people listening right now that, yeah, my my, my partner, my spouse has never punched me in the face or right. choked me. Yeah. But yes, I don't, I've never seen the checkbook. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get to uh, go anywhere without him mm -hmm. telling me I can or can't. I mean, let's go through some of these things. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think the key to it all is recognizing what, what, domestic violence truly is, that it is absolute power and control. So Power the, and control. Yes. It's not necessarily a violent thing. Mm -mm. It's power about power and, and control. That's important Now, to some people achieve power and control through violence, Yeah, right? It's a way to maintain it. But the objective is about power and control. So when we look at that and you think, if I wanted in a relationship to have every bit of the power and all of the control, what would I want to make sure you never had. So that might be money. If you have cash, I don't have much control, right? If you have the children and I can control those children or threaten you that I'm going to make sure they're taken away from you, that's a huge thing, especially for a woman, to be told as a mom if you don't do what I say, I'll make sure these kids are taken away. Mm. Jobs? Jobs are huge. Uh, isolation is huge. So I'm, I don't necessarily want to leave you around your family because they might tell you that I'm not a real nice person and they might convince you to leave me and they might even try to help you out. And so uh, isolation becomes really, really a big issue. Um, and I'm trying to think of some other, there's, there's multitudes of them. I don't have my Well, being allowed to have a job or not have a job, being allowed to keep your paycheck or not have your paycheck. Absolutely. Food, actually, deprivation is huge. Also, mm -hmm. um, sexual coercion and, and pregnancy. Yep. You're either always pregnant or you can never have children. I mean, it's used, uh, birth control is used against you. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just all sorts of leverages yeah. that, and you said 
<laughs> like brainwashing before. So you've oh. been sort of... It's subtle. It starts Yes, that's slow. what I was going to say. This is a long term sometimes, yeah. right? Uh, oh, absolutely. You in, know, Gary, I always say, I don't know a single human alive, and I doubt you do either, that would go on a date with someone, that person slapped them around, hurt them, threatened them, and then went home that night and said the next day, gee, I think I'll go back out with him again. Probably not going to happen. So it's a long-term side effect. And there is a lot of nurturing that goes on. Oh, I'm just a great person. You're going to love being with me until they have that. And once they have that, that beginning of holding on, the power and control starts ripping into it. Mm. I think there's also a culture um, in relationships or marriage that we grow up with, I know I grew up with, is that you don't give up. You you love this person, right. and they're someone you care about and are part of your life, and you're just not going to go, oh, shoot, I think I can fix this. I think I can work with this person. Maybe he's going to change or she's going to change, and because and, I know there's true love there. I know there's love in their heart for me. And it's not always true. So it's something I've done, or I'm not doing yeah, something you take right. It on yourself. Get talked them into yeah. you're the problem. Absolutely. Wow. And their intent would be to take away any self esteem that you did have. Oh yeah. Because as long as you have self esteem, you may be able to leave me. And then you have a little control, at least, of your own yes. self worth. Absolutely. Wow. So let's talk about this. So. Um, is there a demographic that this happens to all the time? It must be just in some <laughs> neighborhoods, right? Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just so. some economic <laughs> status, right? Yeah. Mm. If, if only that were true. Yeah. Yeah. What we do know is it goes across all socioeconomic. It goes across every. It's all races. It's all people. Uh, it's just unfortunately a thing that crosses all of us, and we see people every day uh, of of. Uh, at different levels of uh, abuse that's happening to them, and they come from all different levels of income. We have people who contact us that are very, very well off. Um, the Good for them, and the great news is that they would be able, once they can step back often, to be able to maybe afford an attorney, um, which would help them in court. Um, for folks who don't have that income ability, um, that becomes yet another barrier. So the lower... Uh, you are in income, the more difficult it is to get out of a situation, um, mainly for the financial end of it, because what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? If you really have nothing, if something's been totally stripped from you, it gets into that whole situation of where people say, why does she stay? We why why does she just leave? That's yeah. right. I, I get that question all the time. I bet you do. Yeah. Oh, and I've and said it it's years common ago. And I bet we yeah. say it ourselves when we think we know what's going it on over there. It should be just so easy. Yeah. You know, get in your car, take your kids, and yeah. go. And the reality is it's not about her of why does she stay. It's why does he hit or why does she hit? That's the bigger question. It isn't about re-victimizing the victim. It, it, that, that's, that's ridiculous. It, it, is, it is truly about the reason that she stays is because she's been threatened beyond all recognition in many cases. Like we talked about, your children. I'm going to take your children from you. Maybe your family has been physically threatened. Maybe you've been threatened, and we know that at that moment of leaving, that's when things are the most dangerous, mm. and that's when we talk to people on the hotline. We talk all the time about that, uh, of where are you right now, what's going on, what's the situation, and we help them work through that because it can be very lethal according to you know where you are at that time in the relationship. So, 
So, and also that brings to mind housing. That's the number one issue people stay is where am I going to go? I don't have any friends or family anymore, or if they're lucky enough, maybe they'll talk to me, but nobody has a place for me, and I've got three children. Do I rip them out of school? What am I going to do? Where am I going? How am I going to feed them, clothe them? Uh, They come to us with uh, literally the clothes on their backs uh, when they're escaping from imminent danger to stay at our shelter. Yeah. We are talking this morning with Vicki Hilty and Deborah Bordson of Domestic Violence Services of Snohomish County. And like we're talking out, so you mentioned a, a phone number. Mm-hmm. Let's give out some contact. You have a website. People can look up your services and programs. That is online, DVS, right? That's pretty good, Domestic Violence Services. Right? DVS-SNOCO, Snohomish County, dot mm-hmm. org. That one's easy to remember. (laughs) DVS-SNOCO.org. And again, this support line is 24 hours. People can call this. Oh, good. Absolutely. It's 425-25-ABUSE, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 425-25-ABUSE to speak with. Now, who's at the other end of that? We have advocates who are there on the phone 24-7 available to answer phone calls. And And this can uh, be an emergency or just asking for information? Absolutely. This support line is so wonderful because it truly is for anyone Often it's not a victim that calls us. Sometimes an employer will call us and say, oh, my gosh, I think this is happening in my work environment. I don't know how to help this person. What should I do? How can I help them? We've had um, parents call, which break my heart, because I think there's nothing more touching to me than often a dad who uh, will reach out and say, this is happening to my child, to my daughter. Uh, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have her. I don't know how to save her. I don't know how to help her. And so it's a great place for anyone to call and get information about what you can do to help. Is there a, there can't be a standard answer for that. Uh, no. Every situation must be a little bit different. It is. Um, do we know what, let's play the, I'll play the guy who has seen this or thinks I'm seeing this. What What kind of things should I look for and say, I guess this must be, a problem. And if they don't want to talk about it, or if they look away, if say, you everything all right at home? And what are some of the th- clues I can look for? Well, I think probably, especially with teenage, with teenage kids and uh, your children, I think relationships often that happen really quick, sometimes that's a sign um, when uh, you're one, somebody wants you to jump into a really fast relationship. Eh, it's not always so good. Or if um, you're being compared constantly, if somebody's judging the clothing you have on, if they're questioning you about who you're with all the time, are you with your girlfriend? Why are you with them? You ought to be with me. If a dad starts to see that, or maybe parents sometimes know that phone may be ringing off the wall all the time. Maybe you're getting texts constantly, and they, they recognize, gosh, that seems to be a lot of texts you're getting. Pretty common. So you just kind of have to, I think, be aware Also, depression can set in. If so, if you see a child who's suddenly depressed, sad, maybe having some eating disorder, maybe um, just going in, not being being quiet, just if like a depression, kind of a look of depression, that could be part of it as well. So I think it's good to have conversation uh, to make yourself open and non-judgmental because judging that other person is not going to necessarily be the answer for you. It might be, you know, let's let's talk about this relationship. What do we do from this point? Um, and, and get help. So that's one reason that hotline is so important. I think also as a friend, if I had a friend I was worried about, I would, you know, bring the subject up. I, I 
see there's been some changes. Um, I'm worried about you. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Um, I believe you. What can we do to help you? And I think always be open about that and say, I'm always here for you. Um, and we can get you some help if needed, you know, and leave it open. Um, so people feel comfortable coming back and maybe talking to you later because people probably are startled and won't won't just talk about it immediately unless they're in imminent danger. But um, many people hide everything for so long. So if you sense that, just be open and keep reassuring and letting them know that you're there to talk to. Yeah, and believe them. Yeah, and, I think that's and believe And as they get to the point of calling DVS of mm-hmm. Snohomish County, mm-hmm. um, I'll give that number out again, 425-25-ABUSE, and they get to that point, yes, I, I'm, all these boxes are checked. And how do you, what are the, some of the things you can actually do for them? Let's talk about what you guys provide. You mentioned a shelter. Now, how do sure. you actually get them out of their home that might be <laughs> troublesome right. and uh, to a safe place that's confidential? And, you know, oh. just tell me all those steps that you bet. Well, for first shelter, off, it's got to be confidential, right? I mean, absolutely. people have to be scared that they're right. sharing this, right? right? Yeah. So, um, as far as shelter is concerned, we're a 30-day emergency shelter, and so we are for we are there to provide shelter for those who are in imminent danger. So a lot of times, a domestic violence victim might not be necessarily in imminent danger. An instance might be maybe he's incarcerated, right? But he's left a terrible situation behind. You wouldn't necessarily be. Uh, available to go into shelter at that time because you're not in imminent danger. So we have only limited beds, and we have to reserve those for those folks who are in absolute imminent danger, where you're still threatened and be, and you're you're in trouble. And uh, we provide services for men as well. They do not stay in our shelter, uh, but we help many men in our that program. And for the gentlemen that contact us that need assistance, we put them in a hotel, mm-hmm. but they receive the same services as other. They would receive an advocate assistance with um, food and clothing if necessary. If necessary. So like vouchers, gift cards mm-hmm. or something exactly. to help them? We have a thrift yeah. shop in downtown Everett called New and Again Thrift Shop, and people donate new, gently used items, clothing, furniture, household items. So when you are a client, you come into shelter, literally usually just bring with the clothes on your back and same with your children. You can go with a voucher and shop with uh, care and dignity just like anybody else and get what you need. And then if you actually move into our housing programs, you'll be able to go pick out some furniture and household items and things. We, we try to empower people to do it on their own, but they everybody needs a hand up sometimes, and so that's what that's for. So we always welcome new and gently used donations there. Absolutely. And you know, I think too, uh, with shelter, that what happens is there's an intake process. So if we determine that you need that those services, shelter, um, you would go through an intake process. So they ask you questions and that type of thing, and then make arrangements to meet with you and get you to the location. But often, like we were saying, you may not be in imminent danger. So we want people to know we have other services which you can connect you to. So we can help with, um, we have some flex funds that sometimes can help people in the community. So maybe you don't need to move. Maybe you're safe where you are, but you need the locks changed and you have absolutely no money. We have some flex funds that can help people with that type of thing. So uh, those flex funds are pretty fluid. They can be used for a lot of things, and they're a game changer. They can really help people in a situation for something small. Maybe you needed tires replaced on your car um, and to be able to continue going to work. 
uh, or maybe they were destroyed or, you know, who knows. Um, so there's that that can help. We also have support groups all over the county. Right now, I believe we have seven that are going on. Uh, they also uh, are kept pretty confidential. So you would call that very same hotline, 425-25-ABUSE, and ask about support groups and one that might be available in your community. And so we would encourage people to do that as well. We also have a very robust legal advocacy department. So we're not attorneys, do not profess to be, but we can help people navigate what can be a really frightening system for them. That must be a big, like you said, frightening. That must be a big hurdle to get over when someone says, I really have to do something legitimately legal here to break away and make this final. And talking to a lawyer, man, that makes everything's like, oh, this is real. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can hook them up with a lawyer who's done this before and can Mm -hmm. talk them through this. It's so nice to have this advocacy, a person with you to do all this and this um, support group. These are people who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. This peer support is is so beneficial in in no matter what uh, circumstance we're talking. I mean, whether it's uh, somebody going through AA or whatever, but Mm -hmm. going through domestic abuse it's just incredible the support from someone who's do- going through what you are going through. That burden sharing thing comes through, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, it does. And you know, too, I don't want to lose the one of the most important programs I feel that's been building for a long time is prevention. Yeah, I want to make sure we get to that. Yeah, so let's start. <laughs> let me ask it this way: prevention. Do we need to start with like really young people? We mentioned date people on a date, a father watching a, his daughter. Do we need to teach like boys and girls? Uh, maybe even in school, uh, hey, if you're in a relationship and this is happening and this is happening, mm-hmm. that's not okay. They've never been in situations before. Uh, even a boy might not know he's abusing mm-hmm. and taking control. You're doing subtle things. That's not right. Did you know that? Uh, right. I never thought about it, man. I mean, <laughs> what do you got for that? I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. where do we start? How do we do that? Well, it's it's really, it's a huge task. And we do a multitude of things. We actually have outreach and education programs through our prevention program uh, department. And so we do go into schools, mainly high schools, but some middle schools in Snohomish County. Last year, we saw over 11,000, I think, kids. Um, And we go in and teach classes on healthy relationships. What does that look like? We answer questions. They sometimes do an interactive game called In Their Shoes. Uh, So it's kind of like imagine a walking around Monopoly board um, and you draw a card and it tells you make a choice. This is this is the relationship you're in. You are this individual. Now, here's the choices, this or that. And you go, oh, my God, I don't like either one of those. Well, <sighs> pick one. So then you have to pick one, and then you move to another position. And so that's just one of the things they do as well. But we also work with um, going into some speci- specialized classes where maybe there's young people there who are having some issues with violence, and we... Uh, help look at that with them, talk to them about that. You know, I think, Gary, the main thing is that people need to remember that domestic violence is learned. It is a learned behavior. And so what's happening when me, you, someone is living in a home that's a violent home, those children are learning that. Does it mean that every young boy is going to come out and be an abuser? No. I've met many who were not abusive that were raised in very violent homes. But you know what? They do come out. They may not be an abusive person. Some, many are, because that's where it's taught. But sometimes they're so nonviolent that they feel like they get walked on um, because they're so 
non-confrontational. I am not going to do this. I'm not going there. So we have that. We have young women who are raised in that home who are taught by watching and learning that what you do is you just you, you give in. You, you find this kind of man. That's that's what men look like. Mm. And so when I grow up, that's I need to find one like my dad. I need to find this person. And the expectation is, yeah, if you don't do what you're told, sometimes you get smacked for it. So a good relationship can be taught, though, too, and that's what, you're, that's what you yeah. do. Oh, In the man. schools, as an example, I heard a story from Gina, our uh, education person who goes into the classrooms, and she works with high school students, and, and they were discussing good relationships and bad relationships, and this young woman stood up and, and walked out of the classroom, immediately got on the telephone to her mother and said, Mom, I just learned in this class today that we're living in a really bad situation. They really didn't know. That's just what they, they were taught, and that's what was happening in their home. They didn't know it was not necessarily mm. a good thing, and that you're with a bad guy, and we need to leave. Wow. So it's, it can be very, very powerful. Hey, we are going to run out of time any second here, ladies. Um, we are talking to... Uh, Deborah Bordzen and uh, Vicki Hilty of Domestic Violence Services of Snohomish County. What did we leave out? Uh, what did we need to say twice? Because we got to wrap it up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, domestic violence still goes on. We got to we got to end this cycle somehow. We do, and I would say to leave with people once again: four two five two five abuse. Call if you need any assistance. Uh, call if you just want to talk with somebody. I would also say that you know we are a great organization. It goes out of our way to help people where we can. We have so many people that help us uh think you know people like northwest children's foundation tulalip tribes community uh, uh charitable fund uh community foundation snohomish county it goes on and on and then donors who help us so we welcome any gift any time to help us as we're going along with our mission uh because it's a big job and it's a big county <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for, for being here today. We have been talking with Vicki Hilty, the Executive Director, and Deborah Bordson, the Deputy Director at Domestic Violence Services of Snohomish County. Vicki and Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today, and a bigger thanks for the great work that Domestic Violence Services of Snohomish County has been doing for 40-some years now. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, if you'd like to hear this interview again, it will be available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.